Uh, as Travis said, uh, we are Michael and Leah Sather. We live here in Eden Prairie. Um, we have three sons, which um, I used to say boys, but they're actually not boys. All three of them are bigger than us. So um, they are 22, 20, and 18. And um, we are excited to be here. This is the first time we've done this as a couple. And so this was, a, a I would say, mostly fun experience um, getting ready to share. We don't, we don't particularly claim to be experts in this topic. Um, we certainly have learned a few things along the way, which I think we have learned from couples that have gone before us in a really significant way. So hopefully there's something um, you can learn from us today. But I'll kick it over to you to get us started. Great. Hey, to start, I'm curious who we're talking to. Are most people engaged or not engaged? Raise your hand if, if you're engaged, engaged. Raise your hand. Just curious. Okay, so quite a few, and then quite a few that aren't. Great. Um, we went through uh, pre-engagement counseling before we decided to get engaged and then went through uh, uh, premarital counseling as well. So big fans of this process, and, and uh, you know, congratulations for doing that. Um, we're going to talk about strengthening your relationship. When you make it 25 years of marriage, you get a pair of these. <laughs> <coughs> so you'll get there. Uh, we're going to talk about spiritual intimacy. Um, so it really, it's about strengthening your relationship. And it's, you know, sorry, guys, it's not the other intimacy. This is spiritual intimacy that we're going to talk about today, as well as pursuing uh, your partner with intent. Um, so we'll start off with, with uh, spiritual intimacy. And, you know, to use, uh, so if you heard uh, Sean McDowell speak in the, in the sanctuary this morning, uh, he said, that, you know, he used the word spicy a lot. So this may not be the most spicy topic. Uh, it might be easy to listen to a topic on communication or conflict or sex. But in some ways, this is the most important topic that you'll discuss in this class. Um, spiritual compatibility is often the last issue you discuss as a couple, if at all. Um, and we really believe that it drives major decisions you make about your values, about how you raise a family, what's right and wrong, and all of that flows out of a spiritual perspective. So, you know, we encourage you to do the homework and spend time talking about um, all of this because we do believe it is the, the most important, important part of who we are. And scripture shows us that we have two choices, really. And in Matthew, that you'll see that everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And so to start off today, we really want to talk about the foundation. You know, what are you building your house and your relationship on? You, we want you to be wise about what that foundation is. We want it to be strong. You need to weather those storms. You need to have a foundation that can hold the walls and the roof and the pressures of time on your relationship. Great. So what is spiritual intimacy? So the definition here is together growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It really involves two general steps. First is knowing Jesus as your Savior and continually recognizing your dependence on him and then seeking to grow in that relationship with him. So when we talk about intimacy, uh, it's defined to be fully known, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So we're going to look at really three aspects of how we grow in spiritual intimacy. 
the foundation, the fuel, and then fostering spiritual intimacy with one another. So it starts with knowing Christ as your Savior. In Scripture, we read that Jesus went with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. In John 14, 6, we also read, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is a key question you've got to wrestle through. More important than uh, your job, the school you go to, uh, and even who you marry. It's really who do you say that Jesus is. And I'm sure many of you have seen this um, slide. It really um, historically has been called the bridge, but it does show our spiritual condition. So it shows us, man on the side, God on the other side, and there's this huge gap between us, which is sin, because we've all sinned. So we are separated from God. But then you see Jesus as the cross bridging the two sides. And when I think about Michael and I and how we started our marriage and our relationship, we were both believers. We had met on a mission trip overseas. We um, had been followers of Christ. We're walking in our own walks with him. And here I can stand and say 27 years later, we would not be married today if we did not have Christ in our marriage. Um, there is a foundation there. There is a, a hope and a faith and a trust. Marriage is really hard. I know it's hard to think about that now because you're young in your relationships and it's you know fun and exciting, but marriage is hard. And if you don't have Christ as the center and the foundation of your marriage, it's even harder. And we wouldn't be here today without that. So as we talk about the gospel and the implications uh, of your own relationship with him, it also has implications in your marriage. So the first thing is grace. Um, when we look at the verse, I keep not trusting the slide, sorry. Um, when we think about grace, um, can you go to the next slide? Um, Ephesians 2 says, by grace you have been saved. So we get to have this relationship with Christ because of what uh, Christ did on the cross. And so we want to show that and send that same grace to each other. And it's defined as something you don't deserve, something that is freely given. We didn't deserve what Christ did for us on the cross, but I'm going to continue to extend grace to Michael. Uh, secondly, same verse, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. And mercy is really defined as not getting what you deserve. And when I was thinking about mercy, I was thinking about um, something Michael has been really good at over the years is showing me mercy again and again because I have a terrible habit of being forgetful and I lose everything and I can't um, tell you how many glasses I've left on the corner of a table or a credit card or a phone or a set of keys and there's even a set of keys at Valley Fair still somewhere but um, I have lost and misplaced so many things and he has just shown mercy again and again. Um, it wasn't, I didn't get the eye roll, I didn't get the not again Leah, he just kept showing mercy over and over. And so I think that's just, it's something that Christ modeled for us that we want to also do for each other. And then thirdly, um, forgiveness. 
Obviously, um, in Colossians, we're told that we want to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And this is not our natural response, right? As a human, when we've been hurt or when someone has disappointed us or um, betrayed us, we, we want to hold on to that and be revengeful. And we want that person to feel as bad as we do because we're hurting. It's not our natural response. And sometimes it doesn't come easy, right? You don't forgive someone overnight. And sometimes it takes time. And sometimes you have to ask God to help you forgive. But we're going to encourage you to extend forgiveness because... Christ has done it for us, and so we want to extend forgiveness to those. But I will say, um, <laughs> you do it over and over. You don't, you don't just forgive once and go, I'm good now. I, I don't have to forgive the rest. But So you forgive, and then you don't bring it up every time you have an argument. And this was something that I had to learn really early on. Is I, The tendency would be to say, well, at least it wasn't as bad as what you did last year. You know, I mean, who doesn't want to say that? But... That's not what Christ is calling us to do. He's calling us to forgive one another. And then you just keep going. You just keep moving on. Yeah, and I would say in our marriage, I've had to ask forgiveness for a lot of things, um, the big and the small. And I would say what Leah has modeled is when I've asked for forgiveness, and I've, and I've truly repented and, and wanted to turn from whatever it is I said or did, um, she doesn't bring it back up. And that's been very meaningful. And you know, marriage is, is meant to be a kind of an earthly representation of our relationship with Christ. So you see that through someone else, and it's pretty cool. So I um, encourage you to be think, thoughtful on how you treat grace, mercy, and forgiveness in your, uh, in your marriage. So we learned that forgiveness is really a gospel problem. Um, we all need to understand grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Uh, if we don't understand them, we really have an under, a, a difficulty understanding who God is. Um, so our greatest need is always Christ. And the gospel isn't a punch card or fire insurance. We need Christ every day. And this next, next section is going to talk about um, how we do that. So this is really the fuel for spiritual intimacy, continually recognizing our dependence on, on Christ. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So really, apart from Christ, we can't do anything, nothing that will last or have any value. Um, and we also read in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. I don't know if you've ever tried to do any of these things on your own power, um, particularly uh, toward your spouse. Um, it can be very difficult. So, um, you know, it's really about... our. Do we see fruit in our lives? And that's, that's because of the Holy Spirit uh, who indwells us. And there really ought to be evidence of these types of things um, in our life, but also in our marriage. So we want you to know God and prioritize that relationship. Um, and we've got a few recommendations here on how you can help grow in your uh, relationship with Christ, but also in your relationship with one another. So this gets to how do we foster that spiritual intimacy, um, really through his daily provisions and gifts, and then seeking to grow in that relationship with Christ. So we'll talk about five practical applications on uh, what you can do to uh, foster that spiritual intimacy. I love that they call this section daily because I think <clears throat> as we go through these next few sections, hopefully you'll be following along, um, it is about building good daily habits, good disciplines in your own walk with the Lord and also as a couple, right, as you grow um, in your own faith. So the first one we'll talk about is the word. 
And Psalm 1 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. I could talk, I could talk about the word for a day. I, the word has sustained me over 30 years since I've been a believer, and it really is God's way of communicating with us. It is what gives us hope. It's what gives us instructions. It gives us the examples we need to live by. And I would say that you just need to um, figure out how to, how to do that daily. What does that look like for you? When I was a new Christian, I would read a psalm a day because I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was like, well, there's a bunch of these. I'll just start with Psalm 1. And then eventually you join a Bible study, and then you start reading the Word every day. And the goal is just to be in the Word. Read it memorize it, talk about it. And I think we have, this has looked different for us as a couple, which we're going to say like over the next 10 times, but sometimes we do it together. Sometimes we're, we're on our own. Um, this year, Grace did a men and women study that was the same study. So that was really fun. We got to do the same study, but you just want to find something that works. And that really is the goal, I think, of the next few minutes when we, when we keep talking is like, you've really liked the Bible app. Yeah, so you know, when you think about doing something daily, if, if, you're, if you're not doing something, it's like exercising. If I've been sitting on the couch for the last two months, it's tough to think about doing it daily. So do it once and then do it again. So what I've been able to, um, to use is the Bible app because it, it gives me accountability to say, I do want to try to read daily or I want to I go back and make up the thing I missed so I can kind of keep on track. It holds me accountable. Um, there's... 30 or 31 days in every month, there's 31 Proverbs. So whatever day of the week it, or day of the month it is, go to that proverb and read it. Um, just simple things like that that I think help kind of foster um, getting into the, into the Word. And I think as you build good habits as a couple and, you know, in your own faith, what it does is when you do hit the hard times, when you do hit those bumps in the road, now you have the habit of going to the Word every day. And I think that's really what maturing in your, in your faith looks like. Uh, secondly, we'll talk about prayer. Obviously, the word says again and again to devote yourself to, to prayer. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it is really similar to the word, right? It's taking God's word in, but this is us talking to God. It's um, listening to God. We don't need to overcomplicate it. When I first became a Christian, I thought, well, I knew people that had spent like 30 minutes praying or 60 minutes praying. And I was like, oh, that's so long. But it can be 30 seconds. It can be three minutes. I mean, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be complicated. You just come into God's presence, pray, pray for your spouse, pray with your spouse, pray together, simplify if you need to. But the point is just to start praying together. And then church. So this is where we, we talk about our vertical relationship with Christ. So in Hebrews it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the day, all, all the more as you see the day approaching. So get plugged into a church. doesn't matter if it's here at Grace um, or a different church, but you know, find a church that's pro-marriage, one that teaches the Bible, um, one that provides the right environment for you as a couple to grow in your relationship with Christ and grow your relationship with one another. You know, Grace, we've been here for a long time, and it's really been a great catalyst for us, both individually and for our family. Um, as Travis mentioned, our boys kind of grew up here. Um, for us in men's and women's Bible studies, um, there's endless benefits. So I want to encourage you to, um, 
to think about um, being here. I say being here because the last two years we've been at home. We watch services online, which is a great option. Um, candidly, we did it this morning because we were kind of finishing up preparation on this. And, and it's a great way to still get the message and, and worship. But nothing replaces corporate worship either. So I encourage you to come, be a church, and uh, experience that with other people. Wait, wait, wait. I have one thing. Of oh. course, I have one thing to add. Um, We've been here 27 years, and I will say there is no perfect church. There were times over our 27 years here that we thought, is this still a good fit for us? Is this still the right place for us? Maybe there was a leadership change or whatever. Um, But I think that as we've stayed, we've planted our flag. This is our church home. I think um, I look back on that, and I'm really glad that we stayed. And I think you as a couple, will want to find a place that's a church home for you. It, it may or may not be where you, your parents went to church. It may or may not be where one of you is going now. Like I see a couple of pastor's kids in the, in the um, session today, and it may not be where your dad's a pastor. So it's just finding what works for the two of you and then making, making it a priority to go. She always gets the last word in. Yes. Uh, and then community, which is kind of an extension of that as well. It's, uh, you know, Proverbs we read, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I've got a, a great, a, one of my best friends, he says to his kids, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think that's applicable to us at all stages of life. Who do we spend time with? Who are we engaged with? And are they encouraging us? Are they building us up or do they drag us down? So community is an important thing, particularly community with other believers. Uh, you know, we all need encouragement and affirmations, you know, an attaboy once in a while. I think also in marriage, marriage is hard. So the people you meet here, other couples, the people you meet in your Bible studies or, you know, at church, uh, as a couple, when you face hard times, it's great to have people that you can turn to and, and learn from. Um, so over and over, you know, we, in the scriptures, it talks about the need for other people. We can't do the Christian life on our own. So we encourage you to find other, uh, other people friends, couples uh, that you can spend time with um, and foster that, uh, that relationship with Christ. Before we talk about serving, though, I'm noticing that you and I are saying how hard marriage is all the time. Um, we, we actually have our 27th wedding anniversary this week, so we don't want to come across saying that marriage just is all hard because there have been a lot of really great years, too, and um, we obviously wouldn't still be married if if it was too hard. So, but it's hard. (laughs) We have to stop saying that. Okay. On to service. Um, Paul writes in in Ephesians, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. And obviously scripture is full of verses that talk about serving, giving back to others. And obviously, um, there are a lot of great places to serve. Um, this has again, looked different for us over the years. We've been in children's ministry. We've been greeters, we had seasons of life where we weren't serving. I mean, it just has varied. But I think the goal is to find something that you like doing together. And if it's not a good fit, try something else. Um, there's a funny thing that happened to us last year when we have this young family next door, and they had a four-year-old that didn't want to go to Sunday school. So we thought, well, why don't we become four-year-old teachers? This would be fun. Maybe Luca would want to come to our class. And um, so we were four-year-old teachers. And um, at the end of the year, we were like, well, that was fun, but we're moving on. And so sometimes you try things and, uh, you know, it sticks and sometimes you don't. But, again, the goal is just to keep at it, 
keep trying, keep serving. So now we're going to talk about intentional pursuit. And this is intentionally pursuing your spouse. It's easy right now. It's fun. You're getting to know each other, your likes and dislikes. And even if you disagree, you just kind of brush it off and it's easy. Um, there's a book by Justin Buzzard. And he write, it's called Date Your Wife. And he writes, he says, it's, it looks something like this. You find a girl you like. You get that girl to like you back. You impress the girl until she becomes your girlfriend and wants to marry you. Then you relax. Now you share a home, bills, conflict, kids, and stress with the girl who was your girlfriend, and now you don't go anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, when we see this story play out again and again, and the problem is that story re it frequently leads to divorce or people who are just tolerating their marriage. And that's not the purpose. Marriage is to be enjoyed. Um, you know, figure out what's fun for you. Figure out what things you enjoy doing together. Not always easy. Maybe you don't have, you have different interests, but uh, there's compromise that's involved with that too. You know, our, over the course of our marriage, it's looked very different. We were married for five years before we had kids. We did lots of fun things. I can't remember a can't single remember, one of them, but. but it was fun. And then we had um, our oldest son, Will, and I remember taking the, the little uh, baby carrier into Fuddruckers, and we kind of looked at each other like, I guess this is our new reality. Never ate at Fuddruckers before. So, uh, and now we have adult kids, and it's fun to spend time with them. And then this fall, we're going to be empty nesters. So it's kind of like we're, uh, we're excited, but at the same time, a little nervous about not having anybody around. So we have to figure out new things to do together. Um, so, you know, we like to cook and entertain and travel, and I think we'll get to do more of those things. Um, you know, we found that uh, <laughs> we've tried golfing before. She's not a big fan of that. Um, so it really, really more about me. Today, you know, our kids get make fun of us because we play pickleball. We have a blast. Anybody play pickleball? Nobody. See, oh, look, at look at that. There's it is cool. Um, we think we're going to go pro, but... <laughs> so, yeah. But you got to find some things that you enjoy doing together. Um, but that's, that's part of uh, enjoying, enjoying that relationship in your marriage. Well, what's funny about you bringing up golf, though, is that... Sometimes you do things for each other even though you don't enjoy them. So on the golf front, yes, it wasn't my thing. But there were times where I went and rode along because I knew he really wanted to golf and I wanted to be with him. And there are times that he sits down and does a puzzle even though he hates puzzles because I love doing puzzles. So yes, find the things you love, but also cheer your spouse on even if it's something that you don't love doing with him or her. Okay, so we've talked about having fun. That's great. Now we're going to talk a little bit about being um, intentional. And the first thing we want to talk about is honoring one another. And in Hebrews we read, let, the, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And when I was thinking about this verse, what, the word that really came to mind was being faithful. When I think about honor, when I think about honoring Michael, I think about being faithful, being faithful in my words, being faithful in my actions. Um, what came to mind was um, a really good friend of mine who every time we go to dinner, she just berates and berates her poor husband. And I come home and I'm like, I just feel so sad for them because she just does not honor him at all with how she talks. And I think there's a reality of, how I talk about my husband, how I act towards my husband, I think that gives him honor. And 
I think we want to give honor in the big things and the little things. I mean, this verse here is talking about your sexual relationship, being faithful in the big things, but also being faithful in the little things, yeah. I think is important too. And I think for guys, this looks a little different. I, I, would, I would say it's, it's your head, your heart, and your eyes. What am I looking at? What am I thinking about? Um, are those things honoring to my wife? So be mindful of that. We'll talk a little bit more about maybe some guardrails on how we, how we do some of that, but I think it's important. And then prioritizing your relationship. In Genesis, we read, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And this is really more about not abandoning the relationships you have, um, but prioritizing this relationship. It needs to trump all other relationships. I'm really close to my mom. She's like my best friend. And in the beginning, I would say that was probably a little bit of a transition for me because I had told her everything. And then all of a sudden, we're married, and this is my most important relationship, and I needed that to be more important than the relationship with my mom. I needed to tell him things first, and then I could tell my mom. And I think um, it's just you're going to come into this marriage with friends and coworkers and best friends who you have spent a lot of time with. And we're not saying abandon those relationships. We're just saying prioritize this one above all others. And then purposefully, purposefully pursue each other. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And when I thought about this verse, I was thinking about um, just putting your spouse's interests and needs above your own. That really is the message of the gospel, isn't it? Like Christ putting himself up for us and us showing that humility to our, to our spouse, his or her needs above ours. And I think, you know, as, we've, as we kind of wrap up this section, um, intentionality, we want to honor, we want to prioritize, and we want to pursue, pursue our spouse. Yeah, and then we've got to start thinking about the threats. What are the threats that can harm our, our relationship? Um, we read in Song of Solomon, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard the, uh, the fox in the hen house saying, right? Think about that. How do we, how do we guard against those types of serious threats that can harm our relationship. So we're going to, uh, as we kind of take us through the second section, go through uh, five of kind of the major threats, I think, that can be really challenging in your relationship. Number one, it's social media and technology. Um, you know, no surprise. I mean, I have my phone in my back pocket. It, it probably never goes more than an arm's length away. And, you know, I'll, we'll sit at dinner sometimes and I'll see a couple sitting there both on their phones. Or kids engulfed in, you know, media. It's just, it's everywhere. So we have to, we have to fight against the obsession of the social media culture. Um, work. I mean, we worked at home together for the last two years um, on different floors, so we don't, you know, bother each other. But you tearing yourself away from work is a lot harder today when you do that than getting in your car, driving home, having a little time to decompress. So that can be a threat to your relationship. Um, I thought this was an interesting stat. The kind of the average profile of a video gamer is a 35-year-old male. That can have a huge impact in your marriage. Um, so be be mindful of that. So so what can we do about that? I think it's you know it's, I'll talk about guardrails or restrictions, accountability. Um, 
you know, in, in our marriage, for us, my, my phone, I use it for work and I use it for personal, has a password on it. She knows the password. She's welcome to look at my phone and see what's on it. It's a way to keep me accountable and be open with her about what I'm doing or not doing on my phone. So things like that. We also have a rule when you come home and have dinner, phones are up. We don't, we don't bring phones to the dinner table. Um, so whatever it is for you, uh, we, we don't have a TV in our bedroom. We've never had it. Um, sometimes wish we did. They're thinking that's really old school. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But that, but that, has, that has worked really well for us. It, it just was the right thing to do for our, for our marriage. So whatever those things are, just you know, create um, good open communication and dialogue about these types of things and put some guardrails in place that I think are good for, you, you know they're good for you, um, but it also communicates to uh, your, your spouse. The other thing about, he, he made that comment about having his, me knowing his password is when our kids got phones, we had, you know, find my iPhone was a thing. And we were like, well, this is awesome with teenagers. Like we knew, you know, we knew where they were. We could find their phone if they lost their phone. Um, but I would say that's a whole other level of accountability, not because I'm spying on him, but because I might be like, where is he tonight? Oh, yeah, he's with a customer or whatever. And it just, again, it's just one more layer of accountability and transparency between, um, between us. So anyway, on to schedule and busyness. Um, we're all busy, right? You could fill your calendar with a lot of really good things. Um, we're just challenging you to make sure they're the best things. Um, find what works for you if that's, uh, you know, a date night every Friday or whatever that looks like. Find a way to connect. That's the goal is to connect. It's not an appointment. You don't check a box saying, yep, I did that today. It is about connecting with your spouse. And I would say when we were first married and first had kids, Michael traveled probably most weeks for work. And so we didn't have a lot of time during the week to connect, but we we made it a priority every day to talk on the phone, and sometimes it was, I'm alive, I'm in Des Moines, I'll call you tomorrow, but we connected every day, and I would say uh, weekly, having time away from your house, we found that for us to really connect, we had to leave the property. There was just too many distractions at our house. We both are kind of busy bodies and always finding things to do and work on, so the point is just to try to daily, weekly, and even annually. We made it a priority early on to try to get out of town every year, and it kind of sustained us for the next year until we got to do it again. But um, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, really, it's just making a plan and being intentional. Yeah, and it's an investment. I, I, I laugh because I think we probably paid for some young kids to go to college based on babysitter you know, that we had often, most weekends, but it was an investment. It was something that meant a lot to us to get away, and it was us allowing uh, each other to connect and uh, do that without the uh, distraction of kids. So, and then boredom's another one. I, th this one doesn't resonate with me as much. Um, we, we're pretty busy. We do a lot, we're pretty active, but, um, you know, I, it can happen. So this is really where you find things you like to do together, Find other people you like to spend time with. Um, I think it's great if you can find, and this is kind of unique, because you're, you're engaged, you have friends that are separate friends. Now you come together in marriage. Now you're finding friends who are also married, or maybe they're engaged, and it's all, it's, it, it may be hard to find somebody that you 
both like both people, but they're out there, and it means a ton when you find them and spend time with them. I think that can, that can be a, a huge encouragement. So figure out what you like to do, try new things, and uh, just avoid being bored. Well, of course, when I think of boredom, I think of winter because I'm from Texas, and I think winters get really long here, and that, that required some creativity to not be bored in the winter, but give it your best shot. Try new things, as Michael said, new adventures. Uh, complacency is another one that can really be a threat to your marriage, and I really think of this as like laziness. You're kind of in this routine, right? Maybe it's been a few years, and the goal is just, you know, just keep at it, keep trying new things, um, if it doesn't work, keep at it again because it's worth it. You don't want to find yourself in a rut where you're bored or you're complacent. And you just want to try things that are more active, maybe, and then um, just make it a priority. And then the last one is it's kind of a catch-all. It's others. Um, it could be kids, family, friends. And, you know, if you over-rotate when you have kids on raising your kids and not investing in your relationship, that can be a... You know, suddenly 16 years later, you look at each other like, I'm sorry, who are you? Um, so you have to constantly um, fight off some of those things. And same with, with friends, as she mentioned, you may have friends that were your friends outside of you as a couple, um, and you have to figure out how to prioritize your relationship. Family, I know you're gonna get into a topic of conversation. We were actually, I think, wanting to talk about um, you know, the in-laws and the outlaws and what that looks we like. We have and, stories. Yes. Uh, so you'll get, you'll get that. That's a lot of fun. So, um, but again, the encouragement is prioritize your relationship. So great marriages don't just happen. You must intentionally pursue one another. And as we wrap up, you know, with some discussion questions in your week ahead, we want to encourage you as couples to talk about spiritual intimacy together as a couple. Talk about how you intentionally pursue one another and what that looks like in your relationship and your future marriage. It's a big deal. Where you stand with Christ affects everything you do in your life. And I think Leah said it, we wouldn't be standing here as a married couple if we weren't believers. Um, it's, it's, I, we're not scaring you about marriage is hard, but it's just hard. And, and I think that's, that allows us to get through some really difficult times. So, so as we close, main point here is we want you to know him and we want you to prioritize the marriage relationship. And we believe to persevere in marriage is hard, but it's worth it. So we've got some table questions. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us.